back again, broadcasting live from the host. And thank you so much for joining with us, listening and watching uh, this morning. We're turning to uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, the prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 16. And if you find your place there and keep your Bible open, or later on you can uh, read your Bible and uh, discuss what uh, has been said this morning. And before we commence, let us just ask the Lord's help in prayer, please. Father, we give you thanks again for health and strength that enables us to be here this morning. And we thank you for protecting and keeping ourselves and our families in these days. And we bless thee, O God, that thou art good to us day by day, thou dost shower thy blessings upon us. And Father, we would pray again this morning for the doctors and the nurses and the carers and all that are dealing, Lord, with this uh, pandemic that's crossing our province and crossing our nation. We ask for help for the politicians and for the scientists and for others, Lord, who are working behind the scenes uh, to seek to bring this thing to a close. Lord, we remind ourselves today that this is a, a Friday and the, when we remember the death of our Lord Jesus and we thank you for him who died and rose again for our sins. And so we ask this morning, Lord, as your word goes out from here, that thou will give help to this servant, that thou will anoint me with the Holy Spirit of power, and that your word will go like a sword into the hearts and lives of men and women. And Father, our cry, our great cry is these days, that you'll turn the people to repentance and turn them to revival and blessing. For Jesus' sake, amen. And amen. Now this morning we come to the third and to the final message on our subject, a nation under wrath. A nation under wrath. And since, since this virus began, I have been searching the scriptures, endeavouring to find out the cause and the cure of similar viruses, uh, in the Word of God. And as we read through the Word of God, we have pandemics and plagues and pestilences often showered upon different nations and people. And uh, it's nothing new under the sun, that's what the Word of God says. And I discovered that from my studies of the Scripture that the plagues and pestilences that uh, were released in those days and will be released yet to come in, in the revelation after the church goes in the tribulation period, that they came as a direct judgment from God on the nations of the world because of their way of living, because of their wickedness and their sin and their idolatry and their rebellion and their pride. And the scripture gives us a whole litany of sins that provoked God's wrath and unleashed his fury upon them. It's there for you to read yourself and many, many portions of scripture you will find that. On one occasion, under the reign of King David, because of arrogance and because of pride and because of rebellion, he, God wiped out 70,000 people with a pestilence, 
So it's nothing new, really, what is going on. And my study revealed out of all of those sins uh, that there are certain sins that drew down iniquity more than others. And of course, there was pride and idolatry, which was two of the large ones. But there's three that which we have been dealing with in, the, in this study on a nation under wrath, and we have been, been considering them uh, each morning, last morning here. And they're sins that are really despicable uh, in the eyes of God. And we have already dealt with one, with two of them actually. And the first one was the sacrifice and the murder of the children. Of, of the seed, as the word of God puts it, uh, offered up to the children, offered up to the idol God Moloch. We call it now, uh, we have a nice name for it, we call it abortion, and we call the child the fetus. But changing the name doesn't change anything else. It's nothing short of legalised murder. And I emphasise that each morning because we need to awaken to the fact that this is a gross sin in the eyes of God. Nine million people since 1967 have been murdered in Britain legally uh, in what they call abortion. Uh, those children, every baby, everyone born, uh, before the foundation of the world was formed, uh, God had ordained them and a plan for them and a purpose for them in their life. And no mother and no doctor and no government has a right to invade the womb, which is supposed to be the most safest place on the earth for the child. Nobody has the right to invade it and to kill the child that's born in the image of God. No more than they have authority to go into the house and kill it in the cot. And if you want to follow the Bible, Bible get teaching on this, then on the Lifeboat website, you'll find that uh, I did a complete hour almost preaching on it. Uh, some weeks ago and I entitled it Genocide of a Generation. Now the second sin that I discovered very high up on the list <clears throat> that drew down God's wrath was anger. Uh, was he, was, drew down his anger was adultery and we dealt with that yesterday and thank you so much for your comments and your thanks on the web uh, on, on the phone and the website. Now the third and final one that brought the wrath of God down, probably more than any of the rest of them, was sodomy and the sodomites. Remember Paul says in Romans 1 that the wrath of God was revealed from heaven. And you know there are some awful names given to this. I know that this is not popular preaching. But we have to present the word of God and we have to try to get down to the very root of what's going on around us in these days because we, unless we can get to the root of these things, we cannot deal with the fruit of them. And so, friends, there's some awful names given to this sin in the Bible. And uh, you list them for yourselves. Uh, here's some of them, very grievous, exceedingly wicked, filthy, vile. And that's what the Word of God says about Solomites. We, we can call them homosexuals, we can call them gays, we can call them LGBT, but that does not alter the fact that it always is and always will be abominable 
abominable sin in the sight of a holy God. It's an attack on God's creative and creation. Now I can hear people saying to me this morning uh, and challenging me, are you telling us that the coronavirus pandemic, the slain men and women in our nation a thousand a day uh, is because of this sin? Well, I am not saying that, but what I'm saying is this. When you put all these three things together, blatantly and persistently and defiantly execute them, then and ignore the warning of God's word, then retribution is inevitable. It's inevitable, my friend. We can't change the word of God and we can't uh, whitewash it up to make things suit the way we like. It is inevitable that God hates sin and that God will judge sin. Remember, God delighteth in mercy. And because he's merciful and, uh, and merciful and holy and the pure eyes and behold iniquity, he has to judge sin. And he destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone. We read that recorded, recorded in the word of God. In many places you read it. And Peter says that he reduced the cities uh, uh, and burnt them to ashes. Now in Exodus 16 here, where we're going to read a couple of verses this morning, we're reading from the verse 48. And here we have tucked away in here in the prophecy of Ezekiel, scriptures that uh, we're not familiar with. I had that turned off. But although we, we misfortune, they were all right. So uh, we're at Ezekiel 16, verses 48 to 50. And so I want you to just... Uh, turn with me to this word if you have your Bible, if you haven't just listen to what I'm going to say, you can look at it afterward now here's what we read in these verses verse 14 as, as I live, saith the Lord God Sodom thy sister hath not done, she nor her daughters as thou hast done thou and thy daughter behold this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her, and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and there were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away, as I saw good. Now I want you to notice that there, very, very, very specially. I took them away, God says, because I saw that it was good. Now, it didn't seem good to them, and it didn't seem good to many of us, but it seemed good to God to do it. And who are we to argue with what God does? We can't argue with it. You see, we hear so much today of God's love and God's mercy and, and God's grace, but remember always this, my friend, he subtracts as well as he adds, and he multiplies as well as he divides. He's a good mathematician, God, you know. He can take cities away, he can take nations away, he can take people away, and he can take you and me away any time that he likes, and we have no say in the matter. Will the potter say to the clay, what doest thou? The heart of the king is in the hand of God, like the rivers of water he turneth it, whithersoever it goes. So we can't fight and we can't argue 
with what God wants to put there or what God wants to take away from there. We can't do that. Now, it tells us here why he sent the fire and the brimstone into the city of Sodom and, and, and delivered the, the ones that he delivered out in Genesis chapter 19. The first thing we read here in these scriptures that we just read this morning, it says here, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride. Pride. Now that's the first thing is mentioned here. It was one of the sins above all others that uh, vexed God. Uh, remember there's so many verses to back this up. And we need to all examine ourselves as we stand before a God. We need to all examine ourselves on this, this sin, this sin that the devil said, I call it, that brought him out of heaven and rebelled against God. He said, remember the word says, I will break the pride of their power and the heavens shall be as brass. You know, if we have pride in our life and pride in our churches and pride in so many things, our prayers will not be answered. Leviticus 26 and verse 19. And Proverbs 8 and verse 13 says, Pride and arrogance and evil and a false mouth do I hate. And James 4 and verse 6, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Proverbs 16 and verse 18, Pride goeth before destruction and the haughty spirit before a fall. Maybe God's in the process. Now listen to what I'm going to say to you just now. Maybe God's in the process of bringing a proud and pompous and arrogant nation to its knees. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, this thing has came upon us like a volcano. And in just a few weeks, the whole economies of the nation of the world has been thrown into chaos and confusion. We're on the track. I just heard someone saying yesterday on the, on the news bulletin, we're on track for one of the greatest recessions in a hundred years, in 1920. In 1920, you know, the recession was so great in, in Europe, that the, the wealthy men with their, drove their Citroen cars and the Mercedes, Mercedes cars into the harvest fields and, and, and pawned them and traded them for a bag of potatoes to feed their children with? Do you think it will come to that again? Do you see, there's more iniquitous sins in Sodom than the sins of immoral sins. And then in verse 49 it says, And the fullness of bread. That was the second one, pride and the fullness of bread. Now, now this is tucked in, in in the little book of Ezekiel here. And it's explaining and, and depicting the situation that we are in this morning because this word of God is up to date. And my friend, you take heed, we need to take heed to the word of God. These, these, these are truths for today. Pride and arrogance everywhere. Pride and arrogance in high places. Pride and arrogance in the church. The old uncle of mine in Fermanagh used to say, bad enough in the world, but in the church. And if ever we needed to humble ourselves, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord God Almighty now, or he will humble us. So we have, we have pride, and then we have fullness of bread. So that's provision. Luther called Sodom and Gomorrah 
the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Garden of Eden. It wasn't literally, but materially. They wanted for nothing. You see that word bread? It means here all materialistic things that we need to support us in life. We pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. The reason that Lot went down to Sodom was because uh, of the well-watered plains. There was plenty uh, and there was provisions and there was pasture and uh, it was a fertile land and there was plenty of produce. They tell me that it was full of fowl and fish and fruit and vegetables and beef. Remember Paul says in Philippines, he says, whose end is destruction and whose God is their belly. You could write that over Sodom and Gomorrah. And alas, alas, you can write it over the 21st century Britain and many indeed of our own lives. And friends, let me say this. There are three scriptures given by Jesus concerning the last days about fullness and plenty and gluttony. Marks of the last days. Remember uh, the 17th chapter of Luke. Luke's gospel, he says, as it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Here's what he said. They did eat. They did drink. They bought the soul. They planted the building. Even thus will be in the days of the Son of Man is going to be revealed. They had a fullness. They had a, a, they had a materialistic uh, outlook. They, they, they had everything that they needed. And we have everything that we needed. They don't be complaining about because you can't get out to walk in the park. Think of people in places shut in. Think of other people. Think of them in Vietnam, North Korea. Friend, we have nothing to complain about. We have the fullness of everything that we need. Our oil tanks are full. Our freezers are full. Our cupboards are full. We have fullness of everything. Our banks are full and our building society at this moment are full. We have planted. The only famine that there is, I say, in Northern Ireland is hearing the word of God. And it's not having the word of God. We have the word of God. It's hearing and obedient the word of God. There's a famine in the land of obedience to God's word. That's the only famine there is. We have everything else. And then in Luke 21, Jesus speaks again about these last days. He says, just before I come back, he says, there'll be signs in the sun and then the moon and then the stars. And I wouldn't have time to win any of those this morning, but I hope to, God willing, next week to go into the prophet, to the prophetical scriptures and to bring out the things that we're seeing in these days. He says there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon earth, the distress of nations. And I don't have to talk to you about Hong Kong and France and, and Venezuela and so many other places. Distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. That's the, the, the tsunamis. And men's hearts feeling them because of fear and coronaries and and, and, and heart attacks and all the rest. And then he says this, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life. That word surfeiting is the word drunkenness. It is the word overeating. It is, it is the word having, having plenty and, and having so much. 
eating and drinking while God has closed all that down for all the places are locked up at this moment. Then the last one is in Revelation 3. And, and they're all coming from the mouth of the Lord Jesus regarding just before he returns. And Revelation 3 is just before he breaks the clouds and come again because when we went to Revelation 4, we read that the church is taken up and after that in Revelation, we don't read about the church here on earth after that. He's talking about in Revelation 3 about the rapture. And he says that the last church, the Laodicean church, he says they'll be increased with what? With goods and have need of nothing. Yet he says you're miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked. So my dear friend, can you see that these things are an indication that the coming of the Lord draws nigh? They're showing us here, even from these verses in Ezekiel, that Jesus is coming soon. Because he says, these are the marks that you will see. You will see pride and you'll see provisions and plenty. But you know, there's something else in this text. Watch what the text says again. Behold, this was the iniquity of the sisters Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Oh, I tell you, that was a problem, and it's a great problem today. The abundance of idleness. It wasn't that they hadn't worked. There was no need for them to work. And there's millions in our land this morning, and there's plenty of work for them, but they don't want to work. And so many of them, I know, can't get jobs, and I understand that. But there's those, there's those my friend, who, who are too well off to work. And that's the society that we're living in. Uh, we spend hours and hours every day. You know, someone said it was, uh, uh, one of the old Puritans says, the idleness of the mind is the devil's playground. And we need to keep ourselves busy. We need to keep ourselves active. We need to keep ourselves doing those things that are wholesome. Not sitting all day watching the television or the internet or Facebook. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. And he's telling you there's a problem here. And that problem is idleness. Oh, God has created us to work and get on with our business and do what we can do in these verses. But watch, watch this verse again because there's another problem here. There's two problems. Aidenless was in her and then her daughter. Never should she, she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. That was that selfishness. I'm all right. It doesn't matter about anybody else. Friend, is this not the society that we're living in? And I hope and as I'm speaking to you, I speak to my own heart. I hope that you're thinking and helping out the poor and the needy in these days. Because the word of God says, He that giveth to the poor shall not lack. And that just doesn't mean giving money or material thing, but contacting them, uh, making contact with them. Even I, I'm hearing from people that are shut in that they don't hear from anybody, even in the churches. That there's old people and people shut in for weeks and, and nobody has ever contacted them. My friend, we have got to look after people. We've got to uh, do what we can to help them and assist them in these days. That's part of, of what this verse is saying that was going on in, in Sodom. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't do anything to help. They just kept everything to themselves. They, did, they didn't strengthen the hand of the people. Let us strengthen. Strengthen. Those that are weak and feeble this morning, let us tax them, let us write them, let us write to them, 
Let us get in touch with them. Let us encourage them. There's a lot of discouraged people out there this morning. Let us pray for the cares. Out of this church here, there's, there's cares out every day going into homes with people infected with the coronavirus, this, this disease, this virus. And I say to you, my friend, listen, pray for them. Talk to them. Encourage them. Because we need to be encouraging one another in these days. Now, in verse 50, we have uh, the woman and the master. And they were haughty, and they committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away, saith the Lord. Abomination. Well, Romans 1, Paul tells us that the abomination of Sodom. He says, men with men and woman with woman. Changing the natural use of what God had created them for. Doing that which was unseemly, indecent, ungodly, shameful. And God gives them up in Romans 1. God gives them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. Now it's important that we emphasize this in all that we're hearing today. Don't be blaming the way you were born. Don't be blaming your gene or anybody else. The lusts of the sinful flesh, the lusts of the heart. Jesus says, out of the heart, out of the heart proceeds all this, these sins. For this cause, God gives them over and God gives them up. And he abandoned them in their sin. But thank God, and thank God, and I want to end on a very positive note this morning. Thank God that this is not the unpardonable sin. There's as much hope. Oh, my dear friend, this morning, listen, there's as much, on this good Friday, there's as much hope for a man practicing this sin as any other man. And it doesn't matter what your sins may be this morning. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the text that I was saved to, if I get to the 31st of May this year, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul lists a rake of, of sins. Fornication, idolatry, adulterers, thieves, covetous, drunkards, extortioners, men, he puts this one in, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind. That's the sin we're talking about here. And he says this, such were some of you, but now, hallelujah, now you're washed, you're sanctified, and you're justified. Hallelujah. There's cleansing from all sin if you'll only let him in. And if you cry out to the Lord this morning, whatever, if you're a thief, if you're a murderer, whoever you are this morning, if you cry out to the Lord now and, and mean it from the very depth of your heart, he'll take your sins and your sorrows and he has made them his own and he'll save you and set you gloriously free. Now in a half an hour or so, uh, half an hour, 35 minutes, our Lord Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, was three hours on the cross. The next three hours after that, from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, darkness covered the whole earth. Darkness covered the whole earth. Don't be talking about lockdowns. My friend, this was the greatest lockdown, the greatest shutdown that there ever was. 
bearing shame and scoffing rude. Do you know the greatest shame as he hung on that cross? Do you know the greatest, one of the greatest shames of all was the stripping? And wherever you see our Saviour with a garment round him, it's not the truth of God's word. Because he was stripped naked, it was part of the shame, bearing shame. And as he hung naked, those vile Roman soldiers scoffed and mocked at him in the hymn writer. Got it right here, bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place, condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What? A saviour. The evening before this, he was groaning on his belly in Gethsemane's garden under the burden of the cup of God's wrath that has spilled over onto him and the blood started to ooze from his veins and he wept with slow crying and tears this now my friend is the creator of all things this is the eternal son of the eternal God who was risen in eternity past and who daily was his delight, and whose delights was in the sons of men, you and I. Here he lay on his belly in Gethsemane that awful night, and cried, O oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. And in the darkness of that hour, we read that Mark tells us a great multitude with swords and staves and lanterns came to take him. And Judas, Judas Iscariot, whom he loved, whom he trusted, Judas Iscariot shouted back to the rest of them, the one that I kiss is he. And he ran forward and kissed him. And they took him that night and all night long they beat him, they buffeted him, they played the king game with him, they tied a blindfold round him, and one would go around and smack him on the face and say, prophesy who smote him. They spat on him and says they spat on him, so one after another they spat on him, they mocked him. And in the morning they bound him and they led him away to Pilate and to Herod. I'm back to Pilate. My friend, don't talk about injustice. Don't talk about the wrath of God. If ever you want to see anything of the wrath of God and injustice, you go to Calvary and do what Isaac Watts tells us about him to do when I survey the wondrous cross. All right, talking about it and saying it's good Friday and he died on the cross. But did he ever survey it, my friend? Did you ever stand and look and think and meditate upon those six hours as the Son of God hung there for our sins between the thieves? My friend, this, this, don't talk about injustice. Don't be talking about God, God's wrath. Because God's wrath was poured out upon the Savior. And then they took him from 
Gethsemane to Golgotha or to Gabbatha first. Do you know what happened at Gabbatha? You know when he was stripped, they, 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 they put a, a chain round his neck and they tied the chain with his back arched and they came in with their, with their whips and their scourges with bits of bone and bits of steel and the end of it. We're talking about what happened on, on this Good Friday, as it's called. Friend, and out from that main line came the bones and bits of steel. And that wicked man would have wished it round in the air and brought it down at the back of his neck. And it says that his back was like a ploughed field, and yet he opened up his mouth as a lamb before shears is done. Oh, my friend, what, what love, what mercy. What grace for sinners. Oh, what a saviour this is. That he endured the cross and despised the shame. And is sat down now at the right hand of the Father. And one after the other, they, they, they left his back. Until it was like a ploughed field. And then after that was over, they crowned him with thorns and beat him down on his brow. And they tied the cross on his shoulders and they led him. He was in Gethsemane, he was in Gabbatha, and he's going to Golgotha. You trace those hours and you'll discover there was 23 hours that our Saviour never slept. 23 hours when he took the full wrath and vigours of man's sin and hatred for a God of love. <coughs> Friend, <coughs> this is the cross. This is Calvary. This is Easter. This is Jesus, my Saviour and my Lord. This is the one that dealt. If there was any other way, tell me, would God not have found it? If, there been, if going to church could do it, if communion could do it, if confirmation could do it, if being a Protestant could do it, or a Catholic, or a Muslim, or a Hindu could do it, your God would not have given his son over to this. His only son, God, so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only son. And whosoever believeth in him, and it doesn't matter who you are, or where you are, or where you're listening, and thank God for those people listening to me in Puerto Rico, wherever you are, let me tell you, there's a Savior, if you call on to him, and he has died for your sin. Never tied the cross on his, on, his, on his shoulder, and he was so beaten, and he was so tired, and he was so weary, he wasn't able. And every time he took a step or two, he fell and with his hands tied, he couldn't protect himself. And he hit the face at the ground and the Bible tells us in Isaiah 52, his visage was marred more than any man. When Simon Serenia had to come in to take hold of the end of the cross and bring him up then to, to, to Golgotha, where the spread eagled him on that old cross. Ah, my friend, he was no more like a man. He, <laughs> Behold the man, uh, someone said, uh, say, that, uh, say that, behold the man, because he's no more like a man. He's just a lump of flesh. And as a nail those hands to the cross and his feet, I ask you this, I ask you this morning, consider this. Can you hear the dull blow of that hammer swung low? As the nails, my Lord, to the tree, and as the cross the raised, the scoffers gaze at the man of Calvary. That's the one I love this morning. 
That's the one I live for this morning. And that's the one that I'm going to see, see very soon. And as I plunge that cross down into its sucker, every bone, every bone in his body went out of joint. And if you have one wee bone out in your finger, everybody knows about it. But I tell you, every bone in his body went out of joint. And there he cried, that awesome cry, it's finished, it's finished. Ah, he wasn't finished. It was finished. Sin was finished. I tell you, death was finished. Hell was finished. And on the third day he rose and he lives in the power of an endless life at the right hand of the Father, having destroyed death and hell. Jesus lives. My message this morning is, my friend, no matter who you are, no where you are, Jesus Christ died for you. Christ died for the ungodly. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Sinners like me. Sinners like you. He came to save us. And he done the work. And the work was finished. And he rose. And he lives. And he's coming again. And you'll be hearing about that next week. Will you come to him? Will you seek him while he may be found? Will you call upon him while he is near? Will you... Will you Will you come and, and forsake your sins and abandon all that old sin that you're at this morning and say, Lord, you died for me. Come into my heart and save me. You do. Let us know if you do. Do it now. Don't leave it to you. Do it this moment. Come, sinner. Come, sinner. Come, sinner. And believer and, and backslider. Come back to the cross. What are you doing? We are there in these days. Come back to Jesus. Come back to the cross. And believer, listen, survey it. Think about it. Meditate upon it. Over Christmas, it'll melt your heart and it'll bring you into a greater and deeper love with our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. Amen. And thank you for listening. Amen.